Live from the ACU of Texas Studios, this is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Welcome to Meet in the Middle Chronicles. I'm Sam Collins. And I'm Norman Papoose. We met in an office and discovered that despite each of us consistently voting for different political parties, we shared a common goal of leaving our kids a better world. When we started talking to each other, we found that we could meet in the middle on many issues that face our nation. That got us wondering, why can't our elected representatives agree? Find the middle on issues. I don't give up my values when I compromise, and neither does Sam. But we know that compromise serves our kids better than what we see in the current political atmosphere. We had a successful radio show, then the Chinese bought the station. But we got with the times, and now we have a podcast. So sit back and listen. Today we cover what appears to be another indefensible shooting of a young black man, an eyebrow-raising unanimous decision by the Supreme Court, and another eyebrow-raising decision by a Dallas judge who sentenced a beauty salon owner to seven days in jail and fined her for not apologizing for opening her business in defiance of emergency orders as a result of the coronavirus epidemic. Uh, I'm sorry, pandemic, not epidemic. Uh, But first, two things. One, go to 2020census.gov and fill out the census details. Please do it. Only takes a minute, and it's really important. Also, please like our Facebook page, Meet in the Middle Chronicles. Okay, let's get to it. Issue number one, another young black man gunned down in the streets for no apparent reason. We have new information about a story that we first told you about on Sunday night, the case of Ahmaud Aubrey, a 25-year-old Georgia man who police say was chased, shot, and killed while jogging. CNN has obtained video of Aubrey being shot and killed on February 23rd in Glenn County, Georgia. The video appears to show Aubrey jogging in a neighborhood outside Brunswick, Georgia, near a pickup truck with two armed men. A physical confrontation between Aubrey and one of the men ensues. Three gunshots are heard before Aubrey falls to the ground. According to CNN reporting, George McMichael told Glenn County Police that Aubrey was suspected in several break-ins, but no such string of crimes was reported in the weeks before the shooting. Now, who is Greg McMichael? He is a retired 64-year-old who used to work for the Glenn County Police Department, as well as one of the two district attorney's offices that have recused themselves. The 36-second video was taken from inside a vehicle behind Aubrey and a truck with the two McMichaels in it. The video begins with Aubrey jogging down the middle of the street toward a truck, Greg McMichael is in the bed of the truck and his son Travis is standing near the hood. As Aubrey approaches the truck, he veers into someone's yard to go around the truck, blocking his path. As he passes the truck, he makes a sharp left and tussles with Travis McMichael over the shotgun. Three shots are heard and the last portion of the video shows Aubrey on the ground. You know, uh, seeing this just uh, for me is very personal. Uh, because uh, as a black male in America, I could imagine uh, walking or jogging in a neighborhood and some unknown individual, uh, not identified as police, approaching you with a rifle and another with a, a pistol. Why would I agree to listen to these individuals? Total strangers. Yeah. And, uh, and we should update that this morning these two individuals were arrested. 
Yes, they have. They have been arrested. Uh, this this incident, for those that have not seen it, happened actually in February. So that is one of the uh, issues that it wasn't until public outrage after the release of the video that these two men were arrested. So how do you shoot someone in a neighborhood like this? The police arrive and these two men simply went home. I, I don't even understand how they did not, not get arrested at the time and taken in uh, and questioned. Maybe they were questioned and a, a report was given and I read over the police report but the the witness in the police report is Greg McMichael. So his son, Travis, who sh did the shooting, I do not believe has a statement on record in that police report, just his dad. And to me, that brings up the question of, okay, dad's a police officer. He knows how to write reports. Was. Was. Was a police officer. He knows how to write reports. Uh, he created the narrative, and even in in the police report, it's different than what's on the video with regards to uh, the report says that they they drove up on on the young man and and told him they just wanted to talk to him, and then Travis got out the vehicle, and that's when all of this started. But that's that's not exactly uh, what the video shows. So comments based on what I saw on the video, the son should be done for murder, premeditated murder. And I'm not sure what kind of crimes the the, uh, the father who is standing in the pickup truck, whether it's first degree, second degree. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't have a legal mind. I, I can't make a judgment on that, but he clearly was involved. Um, and it's possible the guy who shot the video, who is friends with these two, from what I understand from reports, is also uh, facing possible uh, legal action, arrest. A man gets out of a car and brings a shotgun with him, approaches somebody so that person is close enough to grab the barrel of the gun and basically enter into a fight. That is not self-policing, people. When you charge somebody with a gun, they're going to defend themselves. And even if even if they thought this individual had broken into a home, why not call nine one one? It was the dad that 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 uh, uh, alerted the son uh, to grab a weapon and come with him. So I think the dad is just as guilty because I don't. The son didn't even know the guy was jogging down the street. So the dad engages the son and says, "Come with me." And I don't know how the dad ended up in the back of the truck and the son ended up driving. Uh, you know, if they were together and then he jumped in the back uh, I'll, later. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. It kind of reminds me of what you see on Safari where the guy's on the back of the truck looking for the game. Oh, definitely. The, this individual was hunted down and killed in the street like an animal. Now, I, I, I for no apparent reason except I, that they thought that he may be a possible yeah. criminal. And they had no firsthand evidence, I believe, of that. Now, in the police report, it says that the father believed he was someone that was on a, a video of a prior break-in, but he had no. I proof think that's of that. a lie compared to what. To, if you listen to the evidence that's come out since then, there. Yeah. Well, I, well, the dad knew how to write the report, so yeah. he had to write the report in a manner that made it seem like he was doing. But even if he, even if he did this, uh, thinking that he was a criminal, right? Uh, he doesn't have individual citizens. I do not believe have the right to run down someone and you know gun them down in the street they become the uh, judge jury and executioner. if you want to follow this guy in a truck 
Because He's jogging. You, yeah. If you he wanna, can't outrun you. Yeah. If you want to follow this guy in the truck and you've called the police, there is no legitimate reason to rush him with a shotgun. Get to the point where he can grab the barrel of the gun. You know? No, I'm sorry. This is this this was straight up murder. Now, it, I'm not sure the father is as culpable legally. I don't know. He didn't pull the trigger, and I'm I'm hesitant to to venture into waters that I don't know. But definitely, he's guilty of something. And but the, he started the actions. He I, told I, his I, son to grab. I'm the not saying he's innocent of mm-hmm. anything. I'm just saying I don't know what to charge the guy with. Clearly, somebody died, and clearly he has some culpability in it. Well, I think when you have a, a, a murder in the commission of a crime or something like that, on like all parties involved, uh, also charged, even if they didn't pull. Yeah, but but I mean, not, it's not a crime. So I guess, you yeah. know, technically, to your point, what, what is the correct charge? I, th- I think both of these guys uh, should be. Well, I think, the son, for, I, I think the son, you know, you got to uh, fire up old Sparky for the son. I, I'm dead serious about that. Well, the uh, uh, the thing about uh, uh, this uh, case is that these two individuals were able to stay home for two months and continue to live their lives. But 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 if you go if you go into it, there the second district attorney that that uh, this case was brought for in front of because the first district attorney had a conflict of interest. The second one wrote in writing a a uh, draft summary opinion of why these two weren't guilty and it, it, barnhill i think was his name absolutely stunning if you read it i mean he basically is excusing these two for hunting this kid down and shooting them it, it's unbelievable luckily now it's with a third district attorney who, as we know now, a few hours ago, these two were arrested. They were arrested. They were uh, talking about waiting until the grand ju- to send it to a grand jury, which, because of the coronavirus, that could have been uh, late June or July before that happened, before they even see the grand jury. So I'm glad that they are arrested. Or, uh, an arrest is not a conviction. Uh, so we still have to wait and see if there's going to be justice for this young man. Uh, but I think the majority of individuals uh, can meet in the middle on this topic that they should not have been allowed to run this man down. Yeah, I don't think it, it. I, I think this is more right or wrong because he, here's here's uh, I don't want to say the thing, but they were arrested this morning. This happened in February. If it were not for public outrage, how long would this have gone on? Why they, can't, they, they may have walked? Yeah. Why can't I? You know, I, I'm pretty confident that they eventually would have been arrested. But why did it take the entire nation to scream about it? Well, because you have individuals like the the second district attorney that you talked about that was writing up a reason. So it takes an outrage from the from the public because there are things that have been uh, allowed to be legal that were not right uh, in American history. And one of the arguments that's being made now is that. I believe there there's a law in the state there that citizens can make a citizen's arrest. And that's problematic uh, because if individuals are not properly uh, trained, uh, they do exactly what these guys did. They assume something about an individual that's false, and then they use lethal force and claim self-defense when they initiated all act, uh, all activities. Yeah. Well, I, I'm for the ability to, to arrest... Uh a a uh, a criminal, somebody who's in the commission of a crime. If I saw somebody um, breaking your house, 
that's one thing. If I just assume that they broke in your house and I have no no concrete evidence, then I'm, I'm uh, wrong. And right. if, if I end up shooting I, I, the wrong person, we agree on that. We, you should turn yourself in. Yeah. If you if you assume the wrong thing about somebody, if you were truly um, an honorable person, you say, you know what, I, I was wrong. I need to turn myself in, and I have to pay, even though it was not my uh, intent to kill an innocent person. Uh, when you I get out, to, yeah, I mean, when you get out of a truck with a shotgun and run to the guy, I mean, please. Yeah, it it, it was horrible. Yeah, so, if anything, the father should have looked at the son and said, "Son, stay here." You know, and the father, who's a trained law enforcement officer, should have got out and approached uh, the young man. They yeah. should have never been there and never approached him. I don't even think they had a, a right for a citizen's arrest. Well, you because can they didn't see him commissioning a crime. No, no, no. I'm not saying in the commission of a citizen's arrest, but anybody can approach a person on the street. I mean, I can walk With up a to a weapon. A, yeah, if if it's a, if they have, if they have a license to carry it, sure they can. Of course With they can. Out. The, no, uh, we missing. We're about to leave the meet in the middle moment here. If, if someone comes up to you brandishing a gun while you're walking in your neighborhood, no, but that would you, not be problematic to you. That is not what I said. What I said was the son should have stayed in the truck. The father should have got out of the truck and approached Aubrey and discussed with him his concerns about break-ins. If, if I didn't he, say anything yeah, about brandishing a weapon. If 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 he. Well, the assumption was that he was he was going to be my assumption was that he was getting out with the gun instead of his son. So if you see a, a stranger in your community. Right. I, I don't think that somebody you don't know if you see him and you a person, hey, uh, you know, we've you know, if you try to engage somebody, OK, that's not a problem. But I don't think you take a weapon to that uh, to that interaction or even if you do, you have it concealed. But there's still. You know, when you when you approach a total stranger, they have no obligation to respond or no. answer to you. No, they don't. Yeah, but I have a right to walk up to strangers, and I have a right to to uh, to have a, a weapon on me. That's my Second Amendment right, as long as I have uh, taken the proper classes and am properly licensed, et cetera, et cetera. I can walk up to every stranger in the street in Texas and start talking to them. Yeah, you can walk up to strangers and talk to them, but they don't have to talk to you. Back. No, they don't. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I think this situation, uh, like you said, if they had called 911, stayed in their vehicle or followed them, you know, maybe that, that's, that's allowable. But for many individuals in the, in the African-American community, this is one of the issues that something that seems simple, a, a, a man out for a jog, things that other individuals take. And, and, I, and I put this to you in a in an email uh, because you take walks in the morning. Mm-hmm. If, if something, if someone has shot you, I would be speaking up for your family and your mm-hmm. children. If I saw a video like this and, and you're speaking out against it. And I don't think that there would be any until individuals understand how different society treats specifically African-American males as seeing them oftentimes as more aggressive, more sexualized and more violent. Uh, People don't really understand that uh, this is an everyday, not that you have an everyday incident, but something that you have to live with, that uh, simple interaction with a it's private a fear citizen. That, it's a fear that young black men have at a, at a, 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 a that young white men don't. Absolutely. Yeah. 
that it, it never crosses their mind that somebody's gonna run them down in a neighborhood for jogging through the neighborhood and shooting them down. Or even, but, and, but we'll you, follow you, up on you, this. You know as the we case I always story. bring up: the one in Ohio, where well, how old was that kid? Twelve years old. Twelve years old. Playing last, cops and robbers. Well, or, yeah, what was his name? Tamir Rice. Uh, Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice had had a toy gun. Ended up dead because somebody said it in you know, seconds. Yeah, I mean that was straight out murder too. But we won't go into that one. I've I've uh, I've gone. Well, we'll keep following this one. case and uh, uh, see what happens with these guys. Uh, you look into it yourself. Uh, if you do choose to watch the video, it is quite uh, graphic and it is uh, very sad. So prayers go out to his family. And I've uh, heard individuals say his family does not need prayers; they need justice. And uh, we I think want they're going to they're gonna get justice. I think they're going to get it. Okay. Uh, issue number two the Supreme Court issued a ruling concerning Bridgegate. If you don't remember Bridgegate, it involved the Deputy Chief of Staff to New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, as well as another top official. Uh, here's a recap of the events that led to this. September 2013, traffic lanes abruptly shut down on the busy New Jersey side of the George Washington Bridge, causing massive gridlock. Governor Chris Christie's administration said it is all part of a traffic study. Port Authority officials later testified there was no study. It was believed someone within the administration was trying to punish a Democratic New Jersey mayor for not endorsing Chris Christie's re-election bid. 2014, emails and texts between two top aides to Christie, they surface. The governor's deputy chief of staff, Bridget Ann Kelly, allegedly texted time for some traffic problems in Fort Lee. Port Authority official David Wildstein responded, according to documents, got it. Kelly and Port Authority director Bill Baroni were indicted on charges of conspiracy and fraud and were found guilty on all charges. It's pretty clear to political observers in New Jersey that the pair decided to punish a Democratic mayor because he didn't support Governor Christie re-election, his re-election uh, bid. So how do you hurt a mayor? Well, one way is you shut down traffic lanes in his, in his city under the guise of maintenance and make life hard for the mayor's constituents. Uh, according to NPR, uh, the facts in the case were never in dispute. On the first day of school in 2013, Unbeknownst to the public, officials close uh, uh, officials close to Christie ordered the shutdown of two of the three access lanes from Fort Lee onto the George Washington Bridge, and they did this to punish Democratic Mayor Fort Lee for refusing to endorse Christie for the election. So, of course, there was chaos, traffic, you know, and it went on for weeks, if not months. Now they get charged for fraud. The two officials are found guilty, but that has been overturned by the Supreme Court in a unanimous decision. Unanimous. According to the Supreme Court, quote, because the scheme here did not aim to obtain money or property, Baroni and Kelly, the two officials who were convicted, could not have violated the federal program fraud or wire fraud laws, end quote. In the unanimous opinion, Justice Kagan, a left-leaning uh, justice, which I found extremely interesting, wrote, quote, Baroni and Kelly used deception to reduce Fort Lee's access lanes to the George Washington Bridge for no reason other than political payback, end quote. However, she adds later, 
Not every corrupt act by state or local officials is a federal crime. Because the scheme did not aim to obtain money or property, Baroni and Kelly could not have violated the federal program uh, fraud or wire fraud laws. Okay, Sam, you know what the defendant's lawyers argued in front of the Supreme Court? I mean, th- th- this you talk about chutzpah. They argued that this was a case of abuse of power and not fraud. That was the, that was their that was their argument to the Supreme Court. We we abuse they abused their authority. They abused their office uh, that the public entrusted them to, but it wasn't a crime to do that. So therefore, you must reverse the decision. And the Supreme Court went along with it. The. Uh... I think the the failure here was a charge of the uh, wrong crime, like when we're talking about wire fraud. So some at some point they got charged for this wire fraud, and that's not the money did money didn't exchange hand. Now that was an argument they said that there was a traffic study, based on traffic studies they get financial resources, and that's how they brought in the wire fraud that money would have came in as a result of this report that they were trying to produce, I think is what the original argument was. But uh, it was definitely, everybody agreed it was an abuse of power. So what is the correct crime that they should have been charged? And this goes back to uh, what's legal and what's right. You know, oftentimes we have things that's legal. So maybe legally that was not an exchange of money and they didn't do it for money, personal gain. So even the argument I think is being made that if they were using the report to get money for the state, they were not using the report, they were charged kind of individually with fraud. I, I don't know, but this is crazy to me that they get to walk away from this I, like free. I, I, I take your point on board fully that maybe they were charged with the wrong thing. But think about the point of view from the two defendants, Baroni and Kelly. This is, this, is, this is the point I want to make on this podcast today. They thought it was preferable that they go out and claim that their actions uh, were corrupt in nature rather than fraudulent in nature. Which should be the worst crime? Yeah, the, uh, cor- the corruption and the, and the abuse of power. You know, the, uh, uh, the fraud... Let's say they did take money, right? The money could be repaid. But what they caused to happen there could never be undone. No. And I think there was even a story of someone in an emergency vehicle that ended up dying because they were unable to get to the hospital. That alone right there. Uh, how do you prove attempted murder or, right. you know, that, that they're responsible that this individual did not, if you're the uh, family of that person that died, how do you feel about this decision? Oh, yeah. I mean, I d- when I read this, I-, I just could not believe it, that they were claiming, sorry, we're corrupt, we're not fraudsters. I- I- my jaw dropped. I, I uh, saw a report recently of a... Um, uh, individual that got convicted of uh, robbery, like $30 or something, and he ended up getting some jail time. But he said he, he he tried to get his defense to argue that he was a drug dealer and he had so much money making drugs that he never would rob somebody for $30. Now, it was he went to jail. They convicted him. It was a flawed defense. 
It later found out he wasn't the one responsible for the robbery, like some other DNA tests came out later, and I think he spent 20 years in jail or something. But he tried to use the same defense. I'm a criminal in this vein, so I wouldn't have committed this crime. Right. In this case, it worked, it worked for these individuals, you know, which is surprising. So uh, that is not a Democrat or Republican issue. That was just a right and wrong issue again. Mm. And uh, like we said on issue number one, it was right and wrong. Issue number two, right and wrong. We think they were. We th- we thought in the first issue these men were wrong. Uh, we th- we think in issue number two that these individuals were wrong for abusing their power, uh, and they got away with it. So on to issue number three. A Dallas hair salon owner gets sentenced to a week in jail for not apologizing for opening her business in the wake of emergency orders resulting from the coronavirus pandemic. On top of that, the Odessa Police Department send a SWAT team to shut down a bar. Hair salon owner Shelly Luther remains behind bars today. Her sentence becoming a flashpoint for those hoping to kickstart the economy. Former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin showed up at her salon yesterday in a show of support. Now, Governor Greg Abbott and the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton are calling for her immediate release. It was an abuse of discretion and that the judge should not put people in jail like her who are just trying to make a living. Even though many non-essential businesses in the state are set to open tomorrow, you with the hat, green shirt, put your hands up, I can't see them. Tensions are running high. This was the scene outside a bar in Odessa, Texas earlier this week. A SWAT team confronted armed protesters supporting the bar owner. Seven people, including owner Gabrielle Ellison, were arrested. According to CBS News, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said he would cover a fine owed by Dallas salon owner Shelley Luther. Luther owned a salon, Salon La Mode, was sentenced on Tuesday after Judge Eric Moyer, is it Moyer? Moyer, I think. Moyer said she violated statewide stay-at-home orders when she reopened her business nearly two weeks ago. She also publicly tore up a cease and desist letter from Dallas County that ordered her to close. Luther was ordered to pay a fine of 3500 along with $500 for every day her salon is open until Friday, May 8th. I think her total fine was $7,000 that the lieutenant governor was going to cover for her. So here we are. You break the rules, you go to jail. No. I have a lot of uh, of feelings on this one. I, I am firmly behind her uh, as far as opening her store because I, I think that if you want to open your store and people want to take the risk of going to your store, uh, I think that that is up to you. We're, you know, we're all adults. If you're going to a salon, you're an adult and, and you should you know take care of you know adult matters. If you want to stay home, with a mask on, that you can do that too. You know, I think we said last week, I choose to follow a doctor's orders, what the doctors mm-hmm. tell me. And I might just put in here real quick before before it gets away from me. Um, th- th- this has to be the worst salon name, hair salon name I've ever mm-hmm. heard of. Salon a la mode, salon <laughs> with ice cream. Um, <laughs> now, I think there's more going on here. And I'm not sure yet if it's because she 
misrepresented things or because the press assumed things that weren't so. But as of this morning, there are some, what they call it, green shoots coming up. The things aren't exactly what they seem with the salon owner. And let's take a step back from her. In Odessa, a SWAT team hit a bar that was open. I mean, come on. And the other thing I've, I've, I was told is that in San Antonio, uh, two Latina ladies were arrested for opening their store. Yet who's the press covering? The pretty blonde lady in Dallas. For a sympathetic ear uh, with, with her. Uh, now, so, so, now yeah, she, they, got, she probably got the heaviest fine, the heaviest jail. You know, she got jail. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but she had an option not to get jail too. But she chose not to just apologize because they, they set guidelines and said you cannot open right now. So even when we have, let's say we, we have a storm and they have a curfew and they tell people you can't be out at night because maybe there's no power. So alarm systems are not working in businesses. But yet and still people choose to break the rules under those circumstances. So I think she broke the rules under the circumstances uh, did she need seven days in jail? I think that came because she bec- she started to become defiant. Like she could have just said, okay, I shouldn't open up, but she started fighting back against this judge. And fighting back against a judge is not a good thing. No, judges, you know, they rule the roost. But I, I'll, I'll take you back to our first segment. What was that you said about uh, just because it's the law doesn't mean it's right? Yeah, yeah, there there are things that are legal, but they're not necessarily right. Right, and I and I think that this economic shutdown has gotten to the point where we have to put accountability and responsibility on back on individuals. If people want to go out and lick doorknobs, you know, so be it. Uh, and I think they, I think they, the they fines have, could be too heavy. And uh, what is the what is the threat of jail time? Why do ind- why and, and again right now why do without bail? Do you know they, they they he put her in jail in jail without bail? I didn't realize it was yeah that was pretty bail. that that was pretty tough. Yeah. I mean that was pretty harsh. Uh, because again right now, why would you want to put more people in jail and put them at risk? Because inside the jails, the the coronavirus is spreading. Yeah, meanwhile, you're letting the prisoners out. (laughs) Yeah, so so that's a combination. So you're putting her in, and then you're bringing her out, and that's a possibility she could be exposed. I think she should have just just apologized and went home, acknowledged the fact that, hey, now she feels that she doesn't have to apologize, and she should be able to open her store because that's what she individually wanted to do. Oh, they made her into a martyr of the right, and I I still have something in the back of my head you know, is tingling on this. Yep. You know, some, something isn't, something isn't, 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 uh, you know, isn't meshing in my brain, in, in my brain synapses with this. And, and I, go, I think there are a lot of other people that are struggling more financially that probably really needed to open more than this person. How did. much has she raised on her GoFundMe page? Well, first the goal was 250 and then they raised it to 500 And uh, I don't know at the time of this taping if it's already passed the 500 but it was getting close the other day when I saw it. Okay, I, I mean, I'm not checking in because I'm not donating, but when I saw the fact that she had surpassed the 250 and they had raised it. So if the initial goal was 250 and you hit it, why even move the mark 
to 500. Right. What is that about? Right. And if she doesn't need this money, she needs to turn it back over to uh, this, people that are definitely in th- need. This of is the no hand to mouth single mom. Apparently, she's a millionaire. You know, she lives on a nice spread up in Dallas. Um, and I, I'm not sure if she's a millionaire in the technical term, but I saw some pictures on social media of her house. You know, it, it, it's, you know, it's definitely upper middle class we're talking. And, you know, I, I, I hate to be the negative Nancy, you know, the, the, the person who uh, isn't celebrating her sacrifice because I'm I do say think, negative Norman. Yeah, you negative Norman. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Don't and, put it on um, the, uh, you know, I, I, I support her opening her store. Uh, I think the judge was way too heavy-handed. But you know what comes back to me? And, and there's something that's just not right here. There's something well, that's just not right here. And, you know, she has become a a Republican uh, firebrand. Mm-hmm. She's become a Republican martyr. And she's raising all of this money. I'm the last person to say that emotions don't affect my thoughts. And, and sometimes I have a problem, you know, keeping my emotions under wraps. She said she did this to feed her children. And when the judge gave her the option of uh, saying apologizing, apologizing and going, home to, and going home to your children or going to jail for seven days and paying a fine, she chose the latter. So obviously she has the resources for somebody to take care of her children. I, I you think know, she it, sees she sees this opportunity. I, I, I don't know. It may have been mm-hmm. the you know it may have been the case like with me when you know my emotions take over and you know I'm standing up for, not necessarily for my family but I'm standing up for the greater good for what is right. That that kind of thought process may have come into it, but I think by next week I hope to say that she is exactly what what how it appeared and she was right to do what she did, but. There's something in the back of my head on this one. Well, I think that we also have to consider that we may have needed to make an exception for uh, barbers and beauticians because I have a uh, I have a barber and he was planning on opening back up. He told me, he texted me, and I told him, hey, uh, I understand. He, he's got to get back to work. If they're not eligible to receive assistance during this shutdown, and this is the this is how they make their living. If they want to open up and people want to go see them, I can agree that that's not uh, because if that was my only source of income, I would be trying to feed my family, too. If that was my only income, I was a barber and I could not see my customers. I would want to set up something that's that's, if I can't work every day, at least let me work Tuesdays and Thursdays or twice, three days a week, something. So I told him uh, I know he was opening, but I wasn't going in. So consumers have to vote with their feet. And now I've been tipping him every two weeks. I send him a cash app because I know that he doesn't have that, that income right now from me having a, a regular scheduled uh, appointment. And everybody may not be able to do that, but I think we got to pull together to help people get through these tough times. And I don't have a problem with, uh, I would have been spending that money with him every two weeks anyway, two or three, uh, uh, every two weeks or every other, yeah, every other week. So I don't have a problem uh, uh, giving him a donation, but I'm not going into the barbershop where there's going to be a bunch of people sitting right. there and he's going to have a bunch of different customers. Yeah. So I think it's up to consumers. So people do need to be able to make a living to feed themselves, especially if they're not getting any assistance. See, some employees are getting assistance because of their jobs, uh, but other employees 
or, or other business owners are not getting assistance and what is an individual to do uh, when you're not getting any type of income right. and no assistance right. from That's the government. That's why I support her decision to yeah. do what she did. But let's move on to the fourth item that isn't on our uh, schedule, but happy Mother's Day to our mothers and our wives. Um, Sam, you want to go first? Well, yeah, I, I thought this weekend being Mother's uh, Day weekend that we should uh, – say something about our, our mothers and wives. My mother uh, passed in 1987. And just to share a, a great memory, when I was uh, in high school, I was on a JV baseball team one night and uh, up to bat, and I heard my mother uh, scream from the crowd, if you get a hit, I'll, I'll fix you a steak. I got a double. <laughs> Man, that is one of the happiest memories that uh, I have of – I could still see my mother in the crowd. I could see her yelling. I could see me rounding first and trying to make it to second. And then looking back into those stands after getting that double, that was uh, a really special moment. Now, I tell my kids often, I joke about the fact that, Dad, need to get something for Mom. I'm like, you need to get something for Mom. That's your mom, not my mom. And uh, just teasing with them, of course, I always support whatever they want to try to get within reason. But uh, happy Mother's Day to my beautiful wife, Doris, uh, and also my, my grandmother, uh, Granny. I want to give her a shout-out also. Excellent. Well, uh, I want to shout-out my wife, Addie. She's a wonderful mom. Our kids are are just one. She gave me two of the greatest kids, and she brought – you know, we, we, we have uh, – two adult uh, children that we raised from little ones that she had from a previous marriage that are, are just great, great, you know, great, great young men. And, uh, you know, I always tell the story about Addie. If everybody recognizes her and this is the story I, I tell. And that is my, uh, or she was in Italy when she was young. She was like 12, 13 years old and she's doing the school trip overseas and she's in Italy and Rome, and I, I think she was at the Vatican or something. And some lady comes up to her about her mother's age, and uh, she looks at her and she goes, "I don't want to. I'm not going to say the name, but, you know, for other purposes." She goes, "Are you Margaret's daughter?" And Addie looks at her and goes, "Yeah, Margaret's my mother." And she goes, "I was in seventh grade with your mother, you know, back in school, and you, I look like her identical twin." Wow. Yeah. I mean, Addie was, you know, 12, 13 years old at the on time. On the other side of the world. On the other side of the world. And, and one of her mother's seventh grade classmates saw her and said, oh, my gosh, that's Margaret. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we met uh, over her kitchen table totally by accident, you know, fell in love, got married later. And uh, to my mom, mom, I'm sorry <laughs> because I moved mom down here from Virginia and uh and I move her down here on the 15th. She goes into her retirement community. Really great, really nice retirement apartment, everything else. And three days later, they shut the damn thing down. <laughs> she hasn't been able to see her since. She, huh? she, and uh, she haven't been able to see her since. I took the boys outside to the yard in front of her window and had them wave the other day and talk on the phone. Uh, but mom went through a lot with me. I wasn't the easiest kid to raise. And, uh, and, who would and have she thought stuck that? with me. Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> I know it, it, it's completely shocking. Not nice norm. No. Right? So uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And happy Mother's Day to my great wife and great mom, too. I don't think I said she was a great mom. I, uh, so I want to get that in. I don't want Norm to be one up on me there. 
Uh, he spoke about Addie being a great mom, but you didn't say anything about me. Darcy's a wonderful mom, and uh, Spencer loves uh, uh, having her come sleep with him. And I have to tell, I say that's my wife, son. You don't get to have my wife every <laughs> night with you. And uh, but uh, oftentimes I lose out because mom's uh, top priority are, are the children. Uh, so I just have to wait in line. Absolutely, <laughs> there. Yeah, we know where we stand. Okay, some articles you're going to find on our Facebook page, Meet in the Middle Chronicles. You're probably not going to see this in the normal news. From Yahoo News, scientists say a now-dominant strain of the coronavirus appears to be more contagious than the original. Uh, you know, not what, good. What else do we, you know, and don't, then let's not forget the killer hornets. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to say the hornets are coming in, too. Yeah, okay. Um, and the, the, this is from Radio Free Europe, although it reads like a headline from Saturday Night Live. True headline from Radio Free Europe. Uh, third Russian doctor mysteriously falls from hospital window amid coronavirus outbreak. You know, this, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, these stories are becoming more and more uh, with the stress of these uh, doctors and medical providers. And we have a few articles on a universal uh basic income. Uh, we urge you to look beyond your own feelings on this. It's time to change the way the government provides basic necessities. A UBI is more efficient and puts power into the hands of individuals rather than gov government bureaucracies. And this is not into, uh, uh, in addition to existing uh, programs. I think that's very important that individuals understand that if there is some basic uh, income uh, universal basic income provided that some of the other programs for housing and food assistance would go away because you would have the basic income. Okay, that's it for this week. Have a great weekend and stay safe. Go out, have fun with your uh, with all the mothers out there and and the and the kids. Take care.